Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. It's Sex and Science Hour time. Welcome to the show. Oh my God, we have got a great show for you today. First of all, <laughs> I'm so happy to be back in the studio. I just came back from Acapulco, Mexico, and it was an awesome trip. We're actually going to do a review. Of course, we I- are. You went. I didn't go. Yeah, that's right. It was yeah. weird because everybody was like, where's Brian? Everybody was asking for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I talked about that. Both that review show and me talking about why I didn't go are both will both be available. One already is. On will you- be available on my Patreon page. Oh. Uh, you got to be a Sovereign Tech patron. So that's a whole different podcast for anyone who's new. See, I met a lot of people in Acapulco who I told about my podcast. Yeah. So they're probably tuning in for the first time and they're like, what is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> well, get ready to have your mind blown. Yeah. And if you're just joining us, welcome. I'm happy to have you listening to our podcast. Absolutely. But, but anyway, Brian has his own show. That's a separate show. It's called Sovereign Tech and that's his technology podcast. But he has a super secret. Actually, your podcast feed for your Patreon section is called the Super Double Se- Secret, Double secret Exclusive, exclusive podcast feed or something like that so that's right so the end the acapulco review is going to be on there and uh also your podcast that you did while i was gone while we were apart is going to be on there too so if you want to hear the the real truth you better tune in but (laughs) but anyway this is sex and science hour and we've got a real treat for you tonight i won't talk too much about acapulco except to say that i had a fantastic trip had a little girl's trip with my girlfriend tatiana She's a big fan of the show. We she love loves, Tatiana. We love Tatiana. She loves us. It's a big love fest. Um, also, we were hanging out with uh, Lynn Elbrecht, who's the mother of Ross Elbrecht. Another uh, woman, Ross. amazing woman. Yeah, she's she's really cool. We got to know each other more. And she she had a good time at this conference, too. We went to the Anarchapulco conference. And um, she did a lot of good networking. I mean, we all did some, did some good networking there. I gave a talk about um, how I became a voice actor. So, um, And I've talked a lot about podcasting as well. Which I can only cool. imagine is great. Yeah, there's a video. We still have yet to review the video because, nah. you know, we're we're still landing here. I just got back <laughs> yesterday. Soft we're landing. even a little late with Sex and Science Hour. But yeah, it was it's a soft landing. It's a soft landing. So, um, yeah, so the conference was really fun. I got a great chance to practice my Spanish. Practicar Español. Escuchar? Uh, no. <laughs> Wait, that's listen, right? Escuchar Sex and Science Hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> because, yeah, I don't get a chance to practice Spanish too much living in New Hampshire, of course. There's not too many Mexican people in New Hampshire. <laughs> I mean, you can go, like, to the Margaritas, the restaurant, and, yeah. and pretend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Mexican restaurant right down the street from us. It's called Gusano's. 
And um, it's actually pretty, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, they do salsa dancing there. They do, yeah. That's a little more authentic than margaritas probably. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I got a chance to practice my Spanish. I just started talking to anyone who would talk to me because that's how you practice a language. You just immerse yourself in the environment and then you try to do things like order at restaurants and explain situations to people and ask people where they're from, what they're doing. I found out there was a tennis tournament at the at the sister hotel of the hotel that we were staying at and Rafael Nadal was there, the ah. famous tennis player. And um the guy that I was talking to in the elevator was actually like an officiant at the tennis match. So and then I saw him again and I asked him how how the tennis match was. Nice. So I was very proud of myself. I I think I did decently well with the Spanish. I'm trying to get good at it so I can maybe live in Mexico at some point or maybe snowbird there or just do voiceovers in Spanish. I would love to do that. Oh, which I'm totally game for. I mean, how do you say how do you say I'm looking for my pants? <laughs> Buscar mis pantalones. Oh, right. estoy buscando mis pantalones. Uh, all right. Good good survival for phrase my right there. I'm looking for my pants. That's, <laughs> that's essential if you're in any foreign country, yeah, really. Absolutely. You should know how to say that in whatever language of the country you're in. So <laughs> Yeah, and then in el baño or like how do you Where's the bathroom? Vamos al baño. Yeah, that's okay. let's go to the bathroom oh, together. Vamos al baño. Right, I like this. <laughs> they say the best way to learn a language is to try to flirt with people and pick people up, so, you know. Really? Yeah. You've okay. Never heard, you've never heard that? Why no, do you think Neil Connor speaks so many languages? Oh, man. Gay friend. <laughs> that's, well, you know, I I never, no, that, that never kind of came across. I, that's amazing. Well, and I've traveled that's what a they lot. Say. Like, <laughs> well, you don't fact, need to. All right, they well, just come to, you just, you just give them the magnetic stare and they come to you like honey's, like flies to they honey. You see my manly visage. <laughs> that's right. You don't have to say a word. Well, all right. All right. Just real quick. I think the reason is, is because. When I was in the military, sadly, uh, in like you get pamphlets when you go to different countries, mm-hmm. and they specifically say don't do that. Like, like they say don't flirt with people. Yeah, don't or flirt. Don't, try don't to hit talk on to people. people. Like you're representing the United States of America. You need to be, you know, at your best. And oh, all this so do stuff. you think anybody follows that? Probably not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah, but uh, so I think maybe that's why I never heard that because my experience was kind of the opposite. But anyway, I gotcha. All right, so. <laughs> Well, I had a great time in Mexico. And, you know, the other thing was I have these food allergies that really plague me. My hands break out in itchy bumps when I eat certain foods or I get contaminated with certain foods. Mm-hmm. And um, in Mexico, it just was not a problem. My hands healed up. They were fine. Um, everything was great. I felt healthy, happy. I didn't get sick at all. Yeah, it's probably because they don't pro- like the, the stuff down there. I think they just don't so put processed. shit in their food. Yeah. They don't put any pesticides. Yeah. They don't put all the processed shit and millions of ingredients. Of course, I got back on the plane going to America, and it was like there was food on the plane. I was looking at the ingredients, and everything has like fifty fucking ingredients that you can't even pronounce or make sense of. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like why do they need to put all this shit in the food? Anyway, um, that's that's a rant. But we have a story to get to. So why don't we actually start the show here, Brian? Let's do it. I'm glad to be back, but we've got important business. So let's get to it. This important business is, is actually very, very important. It's the I mean, it's nature's call. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the call of nature. Exactly. <laughs> it's so important. In fact, that this is in The Guardian. OK, The Guardian, the one that broke the stories about uh, yeah, the, the Snowden, Snowden revelations, yeah. <laughs> Julian Assange and all that. Well, speaking of leaks. Mm-hmm. I- yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This is leak. So the <laughs> the headline is how much pee is in our swimming pools? New urine test reveals the truth. Yes, folks. There has been a scientific study about 
people peeing in swimming pools, and the results are not good. Ugh, this is high science. <laughs> Basically, when you go into a public swimming pool or a hot tub, you are swimming in piss of various people that have been in there before you. <laughs> and a study has actually backed this up, confirming what everybody actually suspected before. So this is from The Guardian by Hannah Devlin. She's the science correspondent. She says, Olympic swimmers admit to it, and it seems that many of the rest of us are doing it too. Peeing in the water, that is, with a new scientific test finding up to 75 liters of urine in public pools. <laughs> <laughs> it is an antisocial act that normally goes under the radar, but many swimmers have long suspected the truth. People are peeing in the pool. <laughs> Now, scientists have been able to confirm the full extent of offending for the first time ever after developing a test designed to estimate how much urine has been covertly added to a large volume of water, like a pool. Regular swimmers with a keen sense of hygiene may wish to stop reading now. <laughs> the test works by measuring the amount of an artificial sweetener called a sulfame potassium, ACE or ACE-K, that's sometimes found in processed foods and passes through the body unaltered. After tracking the levels of the sweetener in two public pools in Canada over a three-week-long period, they calculated that swimmers had released 75 liters of urine, enough to fill a medium-sized dustbin. I guess a dustbin is like a trash can. Enough to fill a medium-sized trash can into a large pool, about 830,000 liters, one-third the size of an Olympic pool, and 30 liters into a second pool, about half the size of the first. So the rate is uh, pretty consistent here. Lindsay Blackstock, a graduate student at the University of Alberta, Edmonton, and lead author of the study, can you imagine if this was your PhD thesis? <laughs> you, you would really, you'd be really getting a PhD, right? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Blackstock, a graduate student at the University of Alberta, and the lead author said, "Our study provides additional evidence that people are indeed urinating in public pools and hot tubs." And then they have a little infographic here that says what proportion of the liquid in a swimming pool is pee. And, you know, the infographic shows each square is equal to 100 liters. And they, you know, they've got, it's basically a minuscule proportion. It's like, you know, picture a giant square. A tiny little pixel is is actually pee, but it's still gross, right? Well, it's I yucky. Mean, Nobody wants to think that they're swimming in human urine. Right. So basically, if you swim in a pool, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're in deep. <laughs> you're in deep. You're in over your head. <laughs> I see. I knew this article was going to be great for the pecans alone. Um, <laughs> although the researchers were unable to confirm exactly what fraction of visitors were choosing to quietly relieve themselves in the water rather than making the shivery trip to the locker room, the results suggest that the urine content was being topped up several times each day. Right. So it's not just one asshole who's peeing in the pool. It's everybody. Okay. Well, first off, like, yeah. let's let's be honest. Uh -huh. It feels good. Like, because <laughs> you peed in a pool. Oh, yeah. All right. Because, I admit I've peed in a pool. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, I'll, all right. So <laughs> usually I think twice before like I do yeah. it in a pool. Right. I've done it when I was a kid. And I, yeah. and, you know, like kids are just assholes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. You know. Right. OK. But like if you're in the ocean or something, I mean, go for oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, is that when it's the water's cold. You know, and and you pee like it, there's a nice warmth, there's right? A cloud of warmth. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it feels especially. I mean, this is Do more you pee true. Pee in the shower? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Course. I think everybody does. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. actually, there's like, well, that's getting that's into how they say subject. to get into water sports. Like if you're into water sports, they say <laughs> try it in the shower first. If you have like a reluctant partner, they're like, well, you know, just warm them up to it by going doing in the shower. Well, yeah. I mean, and there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of, shall we say, alternative medicine that people talk about with with like pee using your urine in the shower oh, like when you get stung by a jellyfish you pee on your foot and it yeah that, it or something. like or if you have athlete's foot I athlete's mean, this foot is, yeah this that's is a, a new long one. i mean it, you know that that you you, you pee on your feet mm. um or also like there's natural people who medicine say, folks well i mean then there's people who say that because you know your urine matches your ph your natural ph levels like that you can uh, uh like if you have severe acne or something like this that actually splashing it on oh your, god no, I'm okay serious. that's going too far so I, i'm just saying and that that's it's bullshit out there. too because you're can be any ph like depend uh-huh. it's your kidneys are the way that your body adjusts the ph in, in your bloodstream so they're getting rid of excess acid or base through the urine so urine can be very acidic or very basic right okay so, so well anyway i'm vary. just putting all that all the all that you know piss and shit out there uh- <laughs> <laughs> you're full of piss and vinegar today brian <laughs> so well are, did you have more you want to go with so um no, I just th- I just want to tell a funny story. So, okay. when I was a kid, as I mentioned, I had peed in pools when I was a kid. Yeah. Um I went over to a friend's birthday party and she had a pool in her backyard and her mom took all the kids before she let us go in the pool. She took all the kids in a line and she stood in front of us and she goes, she looked into our eyes deadly serious and she goes, "I have put a chemical in the pool that will turn if you pee in the pool, it will turn bright red." <laughs> And everyone will know that you peed. So don't even fucking try it. <laughs> which doesn't, which obviously is BS. Yeah, which obviously was bullshit because there yeah. is no such chemical. Yeah. Right? Like, don't parents wish there was because then they could stop the little shit kids brutal from peeing in the pool. But no, she totally scared the shit out of us. And so yeah. nobody tried it in that pool. But <laughs> they were trying it in other pools, apparently. <laughs> or maybe they did try it and then they realized that everything was a lie and that adults were just lying to them and that, you know, we should question the government. <sighs> When you're swimming in a pool, it was and you the feel making of some little drool. anarchists and libertarians there. <laughs> Diarrhea, cha cha cha. All right, that's well, a shitty way to end the segment, Brian. No, well, Come okay, on. all right. Well, hold on. So, I mean, like, let's get real, folks. You know, uh-huh. there, I, I, I've heard this kind of phrase, and some people like to debunk it, other people like to say, no, it's absolutely true because there's a big difference between urine and water. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, especially if. You know, that that you could be drinking when you go to have a glass of water, you could be drinking George Washington's piss. Well, at one time, yeah, but it's been filtered and all the well, bad right, stuff right. has been filtered out. Yeah, I mean, this is based upon, okay, this stuff goes down into aquifers and, you know, if you're drinking from, well, whatever, you know, there's a good chance that you're drinking some kind of piss. Now, of course, <laughs> even then, really, you're dealing with, like, you know, the just the, the way the earth is set up and dirt acts as a natural filter for any uh-huh. you know, kind of, you know, nonsense or any anything. Well, that's really a rationalization for, for, you know, drinking water. But the, I want to read you a quote. This is from yeah, an Olympic. So, <laughs> so first of all, in an anonymous, in one anonymous survey, 19% of adults admitted to having urinated in a swimming pool at least once. Yeah, admitted. So, ad, in an anonymous survey, a fifth of adults said that they pee in the pool. And... After the London 2012 Olympics, U.S. swimmer Ryan Locked, who's like a very famous swimmer, uh-huh. said, quote, I think there's just something about getting into chlorine water that you just automatically go. 
and his teammate Michael Phelps agreed that it was acceptable behavior. He said, "Well, yeah, because he doesn't want to pee in a cup. They'll get him for his drug. They'll bust him for drugs." That's right. He said, "I think everybody pees in the pool. Chlorine kills it, so it's not bad." You know what they call that? Mental gymnastics? No, the competitive edge. That's the That's competitive edge. That's why he's a gold medalist. All right, folks. The gold represents the piss. Yeah, the golden shower. He's been showered with gold medals. Oh, wow. Wait, what are we going to do after that? I, I really have no idea. We should just call over, it a night. It, yeah, right. let's just walk away. No, um, <laughs> Love you, everybody. I think we should promote your show because we just talked about it a little bit earlier. Brian has his own podcast. It's called Sovereign Tech. And if you like Sex and Science Hour, you'll probably love Sovereign Tech because it's about technology and how it can set you free. Right? Yeah, science and technology, how it can set you free. And I like to talk about sex as often as I can on that show. And yes, actually, you do. Uh, a lot and of people we are... record science, uh, Sex and Science Hour Fridays and Sovereign Tech is on Saturdays. So you get like a double dose of me and Brian. Yeah, there's lots to get. Uh, and if you go to SovereignTech.com, you can hear all of these shows, and you can also become a patron and hear all the bonus episodes, many of which you're on. That's right. S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com for Sovereign Tech. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. How are we going to follow up that last segment? I don't even know, but it was awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. I have a good follow-up. This is almost this is almost as good. So, we're in the Diarrhea science segment. Oh. No, it's not. I thought Stop well that it. well that's what follows a piss is right <laughs> not always okay. I mean how many times never mind I'm I'm gonna just completely <laughs> change the subject here enough of the potty mouth we're yeah enough of this potty humor we are in the science segment now so we're gonna talk about science and this is actually really cool NASA sci- Pluto is back Brian. Now everybody was pissed off when Pluto was declassified as they a were planet pissed off. a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I didn't really <laughs> wow now it's to the level of unconsciousness i'm not even realizing that i'm making these little freudian slips here um <laughs> everybody was angry when pluto got declassified as a planet yeah, because we all words. learned growing up in high school or middle school or whatever that there were 10 planets right nine planets. Or, <laughs> Nine pl- ten if you count Nibiru, Planet <laughs> X, right? Ten if you watch Ancient Aliens and you count Nibiru. But yeah. um, that there were nine planets, right. and it Pluto was, was big enough for it your was mom. Mercury, right? My very eager mother orders nine pizzas or something like that. Or my- <laughs> oh, that's like <laughs> that was the acronym to remember the planets: Mercury, uh, Venus, Earth, Mars. Um, <laughs> what's after Mars? Jupiter. Keep going, Neptune. <laughs> Uranus and Pluto. You, you skip Saturn, but that's okay. Fuck Saturn. <laughs> that's all right. But anyway, Saturn's in there somewhere. But Pluto was at the very end. Pluto was the most distant planet, right. and it's also the smallest. It, is this, it's smaller than Mercury, right? Yeah, it's uh, obviously because it got declassified. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'm really falling planet. flat on this. This is not good. Your words are falling like shit from ass. <laughs> so, <no. laughs> um. So. <laughs> So, Wait, all right, so explain this to me. Like, how yeah. is it? Like, I'm shocked that when you told me about this story today, yeah, I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, how did I miss this? Like, I mean, because I honestly, I watch Space News or watch for Space yeah, you News keep like watch it hawk. like a hawk. You yeah, watch it yeah. with your eagle eye. So, so I, I am shocked by this. So, please tell me more about okay. how Pluto is now a planet again. So, this is from our good old friend Gizmodo. Uh-huh. And it's by Rhett Jones from from February twentieth, two thousand seventeen. So just a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, NASA scientists have a plan to make Pluto a planet again. Let's read what he said. It starts off 
with a quote from Alan Stern, principal investigator of NASA's New Horizons mission to Pluto. It's bullshit, he said, about the demotion of Pluto from the ranks of official planet status. And a lot of people agree with that. Now, Stern is heading up a team of NASA scientists who have proposed a new definition of planets that would do more than just reinstate the icy dwarf planet with, with the big heart to its former glory. The proposal would redefine our definition of a planet in very simple terms. The scientists boil it all down to, quote, round objects in space that are smaller than stars. Yes, that would mean Earth's moon, as well as many others, would be classified as planets. The more detailed description from the proposal breaks the method for planetary classification down as a substellar mass body that has never undergone nuclear fusion and that has a sufficient self-gravitation to assume a spheroidal shape adequately described by a triaxial ellipsoid, regardless of its orbital parameters. Oh my god, that's so nerdy. It sounds like data talking. (laughs) But yeah, basically, in plain English, it's a round object in space that's not a star. And that is that holds its round shape. So, so wait, so they're actually going to do In this, any or orbit. is this just a proposal? It's, I guess, it's a proposal for now. But I mean, I think people want to bring back Pluto as a planet. Come on, let's get real. Like, well, they're it's going to pass. Okay, so, so, or do you want to keep reading? There, there's a little bit more, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Stern obviously has a bit of bias in his argument, considering that he led the New Horizons mission that beamed back unbelievable images and new information about Pluto. That mission reminded people how amazing the dwarf planet is, and he's had a chip on his shoulder over its demotion for years. In 2015, he told Business Insider that astronomers shouldn't be deciding what is or isn't a planet. You really shouldn't listen to planetary scientists that know something about... Oh, you really should listen to planetary scientists that know something about this subject, he said. When we look at an object like Pluto, we don't know what else to call it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, now it's classified a dwarf planet. Like, that's, that's they just right. had the word dwarf in front of it. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically it. Um, if you truly love Pluto, they say this might be good news for you. If you're still just having a hard time remembering that there are only eight planets instead of nine, this proposal is going to continue to make life difficult. And I was having a hard time remembering that there's not 10 planets because I always think of Nibiru, which is planet X in the ancient aliens well, universe. Okay, actually, and, and this will kind of be the first point. Yeah. If, uh, I mean, if you want to share your thoughts, go for it. Oh, no, no, no. I want to yeah. hear what you have to th- um, say. Okay, yeah. so I have two points to make, and, and you, you segued into the first one, which is Nibiru is actually, when it was first laid out, and of course this is from, this is something discussed, it comes from, Bab- or, uh, well, not just Babylonia. I love but it how Sumerian you went text. right to Nibiru, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it matters. Um, okay, good. Yeah, and so there's a book that came out in the 60s uh, by Zachariah Sitchin, who mm-hmm. the late, great Zachariah Sitchin, he unfortunately died in October 2010, very sad day. Uh, I don't agree with Zachariah Sitchin on everything he talked about. Like he gets into aliens and all this other wacky shit, which I just don't buy into. But he, his astronomical uh, explorations and, and explanations were very, very interesting, uh, along with guys like Emmanuel Vilikovsky and some others. I mean, he really had some fascinating things to say. Mm-hmm. So he, his book from the 60s is called The Twelfth Planet. Okay. And that Nibiru was actually the twelfth planet. Now, the reason he did that is because the Sumerians. And this is interesting. I didn't I didn't read the story before you just read it now. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because that's exactly how the Sumerians classified our solar system as oh, far as planets. That's that why it was the 12th, because the moon was counted as a planet because it's a spheroid body. Yep. Sure. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, so you'd end up counting to 12 when you get to what we would call, if Nibiru were a real thing, we would call it planet X. Okay, if if Pluto was still the ninth planet. So how is it 12? Because 
would because they, they'd count the sun. They as well. would count the sun. Yeah, like, but like would they, they count Earth because they couldn't see Earth from Earth? Yeah, they, they would count Earth. I mean, the idea okay. is is that I mean, getting I don't need to break. How into did the they whole know theory. that the Earth was round? And Supposedly, it was a it's because the people that lived on this twelfth planet, Nibiru, mm-hmm. okay, that the Anunnaki told them about it. And yeah. there's there, there's some interesting they filled them in. Yeah, well, there's there's interesting claims that that Sitchin made before science proved it right. Uh, particularly the color of Neptune, it being blue. He knew that shouldn't have been. A, nobody knew that, you know, at the time that that so book came out. So you're saying Zachariah Sitchin from the ancient Sumerian texts yes. got got information saying it translated that Neptune was blue. Whereas right. nobody knew that at the time, they shouldn't have known that. Nobody knew that. Yeah. You couldn't know. Um, I mean, you, you absolutely could not. And so, so, but it's interesting that effectively what the Sumerians classified planets as is exactly what this guy is promoting. Yeah, that you know, is these interesting. Things. And, and, and it gets interesting, too, because now, and in fact, I've talked about this, in fact, just last week on Sovereign Tech, uh, last week's episode, I talked about it, where now there's a website you can go to where you can help NASA and the IAU and all that, like, you can help them find what they are still what they are classifying now as the ninth planet they think their their theory is now there has to be some other planet they think is, there's a new a new biru out there yeah they they think there's there's some other planet besides pluto that yeah. they want to classify as the ninth planet that is causing a lot of the things to happen in the solar system that are happening now of course the problem with that is that back when sitchin and vilikovsky and a lot of these other guys were were saying that this kind of planetoid must exist they said it was absolutely impossible like that, that, that can't be, you can't have something with that wild a trajectory, that mm-hmm. wild of an orbit. Um, and now they're saying it's okay. And of course they make no apologies for the, you know, the horse shit that they were spewing in the past. Um, well, you know, the, the idea about Nibiru, the fantastical idea that's like written about and yeah. speculated about is that there's this, there's this planet that has a wildly elliptical orbit and every 10,000 years or so it's 3,500. Oh, 3,500. It swings back around so that it's closer to the sun and earth and all that stuff. Right. But the rest of the time it's way far out there and you just can't see it. And the, the wild crazy idea is that it's populated by aliens who needed gold for their atmosphere because their atmosphere was deteriorating or something so they came to earth and they enslaved the humans to mine gold for them and the ancient sumerians wrote about them and called them the anunnaki right right which was the name for the sumerians called their gods but they but they're saying it's not actually gods it was people it was beings from this planet nibiru which we can't see because it's yeah I mean, and but it's I, supposed to be coming back around pretty soon, like 2060 something or something like that. Yeah. And I, I can explain, I'm not going to here, but I could explain all of that with the completely alternative, uh, you, you know, uh, speculation that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with aliens. Okay. Okay. But anyway, that's good. That, that's but, probably appropriate for a scientific show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's for something. Else. I just like talking about aliens. Cause who doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I mean the idea, I'll tell you something. So my second point that I want to get to yeah. is why did Pluto even get declassified in the first place? Yeah. It was, it seems like it was a political decision, I guess of some kind. It, yeah. I mean, the IAU pretty much, you know, said and said it. And so, you know, their word is God when it comes to a Astronomy. International Astronomers Union is that what that stands for? Uh, something like okay, that, yeah. yeah. And they like what I really think it came down to is that schools around the world were not updating their textbooks. They weren't buying new textbooks anymore. <laughs> okay, because pretty yep. much you kind of you had this this fine point where you know physics kind of figured a lot of shit out and. You know, rightfully so, people didn't find a need to buy books about that. You know, they had explanations of, say, uh, uh, dark matter, 
or in dark energy and all this stuff, because honestly, I think those concepts are bullshit. In fact, science is starting to hold that up that they are. So I, you know, I really, I think that, that declassifying Pluto was all about just like kind of forcing schools to, to buy new, new science textbooks. Yeah. And if they change it again, then they're going to have to buy new books again. Right. I mean, this is a real problem, like math textbooks. Yeah. You don't need new math textbooks Right, because math doesn't change. Right, math's done (laughs) in in many ways, you know? And and, and really, there is kind of a golden moment where, you know, kind of the laws of physics have been, been, you know, pretty well figured out. And, you know, we're just in the realm of, like, figuring out all the different theories, and and it it, it all stays sort of theoretical. Um, So that's that's my conspiracy theory as for what happened, uh, you know, as to why Pluto even got demoted in the first place. Because it doesn't make sense. I like that conspiracy. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, just fucking grandfather the thing in, you know, and then you can call everything else a dwarf planet. Exactly. You know, um, the only thing I don't like is just a personal taste is that this this new definition wouldn't allow a series to be considered a planet. And there's long series is the biggest asteroid in the asteroid belt between Earth and Mars. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. You know, and and there's another asteroid called a Chiron, right? Yep, there's that's, Eros. That's pretty there's, huge, yeah. Yep, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different ones. I mean, they all have names, uh, but but Ceres is one of those things that I think people should really take a good hard look at, and giving it a planetary classification, I think, would allow for it. Uh, so, but that's just that's just personal taste, you know. I don't mind. I, I just I fully support. Well, I was Pluto wondering what becoming... would happen to the asteroids under this definition. I mean, I guess they could be. I, I guess they fit it. I mean, they're not a star. Yeah, but they are kind of spheroid. Yeah, not enough, Well, it doesn't have to be a perfect sphere, you know. There's some wiggle room in there, I think. I don't know. If it looks like a potato. (laughs) (laughs) If it looks like a potato, it doesn't count. Yeah. So, okay, well, but, I mean, but what do you think? Like, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on all that? Seriously? I mean, I think I really like your conspiracy theory that it was all about the textbooks. I, bu- yeah. I buy into that. Sure. Corporatism, baby. I'm a, I'm a Pluto conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, <laughs> on to our next article. Is AI a threat to Christianity, Brian? What do you think? Right Is, off the bat. Uh, Is AI a threat to Christianity? Actually, real quick. Sorry, before we jump on that. Okay, yeah. I just want to say there's also a conspiracy theory from Rick and Morty, and I'm open to that one, too. And that's all I'm going to say. What's the... Oh, no. You have to say (laughs) what it is. Come on. The the theory is is that there's there's a a species on Pluto that is, uh, you know, like once once Pluto got declassified as a planet, Mm -hmm. they couldn't... Uh, continue to like harvest the resources so there's an environmental conspiracy that uh that they want it to be considered a planet again that way they can continue like being industrious and like destroying the planet until like pluto is, is no more um so that that's you know i just little, there's probably is this little green men or grays or what eh, more like a bluish you know okay all right plutocracy <laughs> I like that. But anyway, I, I imagine there's some Rick and Morty fans out there, so I just thought I'd toss it. Oh, hell yeah. I know of at least one. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Rick and Morty. Love it. <laughs> she might have been on the show just a couple weeks ago. Oh, oh okay. I know yeah. what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let, all right. Okay, sorry. So Your is, question. Is AI a threat to Christianity? We've got an article here from The Atlantic. Uh, My answer about is no. Just that. But let's read it. Okay. Um. In his relatively short tenure, Pope Francis has been hard at work welcoming spiritual seekers into the Catholic Church. He's refused to judge LGBT couples. Sorry, he's refused to judge LGBT. Why can't I say LGBT? He's refused to judge LGBT. You can't say it because it's an abomination (laughs) against God. (laughs) Well, I guess I'm an abomination then. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's refused to judge LGBT people, sought to in- integrate divorced couples, and extends priests' ability to forgive abortions. But Francis's wide arms have arguably never stretched further than a mass in 2014, where he suggested that the church would baptize Martians. If, for example, tomorrow an expedition of Martians came and one said, I want to be baptized, what would happen? Pope Francis asked. When the Lord shows us the way, who are we to say, no, Lord, it's not prudent. No, let's do it this way. While playful, this odd scenario got at a serious question about just how far the church's welcome can go. Should Christianity, the world's largest religion, embrace all intelligent life, even aliens? Granted, the arrival of green space creatures seeking salvation isn't very likely, but the Pope's lesson opens the door to the acceptance of another science fiction stalwart, too, one that's not so easily dismissed, namely hyperintelligent machines. Oh, oh, uh, okay, hold on. Yes. Yeah, I remember hearing about this, that the Pope would be willing to baptize Martians. Yep, uh, I do, too. Boy, if you if you ever needed... Oh, okay. In my opinion, my opinion, my alone... I think Catholicism is like the only real Christianity. Okay. A lot of people are going to get mad about that. You're not even religious. No, I'm not. I'm an atheist, (laughs) but I do have a doctorate of divinity. Um, Anyway, so. Oh, that makes it legit. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Okay. But that is the most unbiblical, like maybe the most unbiblical concept I've ever heard come out of a Catholic Would you say it might be even satanic? Almost. (laughs) Well, I mean, if it's not of Christ. You know, what else is it? And so, well, right. I, and, and and my reason for saying this is that, look, you, you know, why do they need to be baptized? Sin happened on Earth and Earth alone. Right. Not it, on Mars. Right. Not on Mars. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Yeah. In fact, I mean, like when I was so there was a time where I was a Christian and I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love you. Uh, and, <laughs> and and at that time, you know, I always said, I was like, no, there's no way aliens have ever come to Earth. I was like, I think there's aliens out there. And in fact, in, in Judaism, particularly not, not Christianity, but in Judaism, there is the theory that, yeah, there's a, there's probably like 18,000 species because there is, because, you know, the Talmud, well, Talmud Torah, I should say, uh, which is a large body of work, you know, it describes that there are 18,000 habitable worlds in the universe, or at least that's one way that you can interpret what it mm. says. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, when I, you know, when we became, my family became Christians and all this, like it was very clear. Why? Why would an alien species want to come anywhere near sin? Sin is such an abomination to the creator of the entire universe. Why the fuck? I mean, like, you wouldn't even be curious. It's like, wait a minute, sin? They would take one look at Earth and they'd see all the sin and they'd turn their spaceship right back around. Yeah, they wouldn't even want, right, they wouldn't even want to look at it. And, 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 so, I mean, that, the, the, the Pope saying that is, is such craziness. Like that, like that, that is, oh man. Anyway. Okay. So, um, uh, well, cognitive, di- we don't have time to read the rest of this, but cognitive dissident sent this to us and said, if an AI is religious or asking for salvation, then it's probably got some bugs it needs to still work out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. But what, I mean, is that, was that article saying there's an AI that. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was just saying theoretically, if it happens. Ah. So. <laughs> this is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. All right. It's Sex and Science Hour. We're in the break now. I guess we have to promote my audiobooks. So, the moment you've been waiting for has arrived. My guided meditation audiobook is out on audible.com. It's called uh, You're All You Need, Finding True Happiness Through the Power of Meditation, narrated by me, Stephanie Murphy. And uh, you can find it by searching Audible for for my name or for the author, Sarah Rowland, uh, or you just search You're All You Need Meditation, and I'm sure it'll pop up. And um, 
I'll tell you, I this was. This has edi- been one of my most requested books. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was editing it. I've said this before, but I was editing it, and it, like in the middle of editing, suddenly I found myself on a, a nice, quiet beach. I don't know how the hell that happened. It was zero <laughs> degrees outside, and suddenly, oh, it's a nice, warm beach, and I hear the seagulls. Isn't it? Me. Isn't it wonderful how that happens? Yeah. All right, so <laughs> this is science. This is fuck. This is sex and science hour. <laughs> We're on tight ship here, folks. We do. We can We don't have time to tight mess ship. around. Yeah, we're not pissing around here. It's not a pool or anything. <laughs> um, Brian, we're in the sex segment. Okay. You know what that means. But I think we're going to do a little smart dumb. We don't do smart dumb every show, but okay. when we do, oh boy, it's dumb. I feel bad we didn't get to all that story. I'm sorry. It's entirely Oh, it's fault. okay. People can read it. It's from The Atlantic. You know, we, we actually link to all of our articles in the show notes. So yes. if you want to look at them, go to sexandsciencehour.com and you can see all the articles we talked about linked to and you go read it for yourself. It's a fairly lengthy article, but I thought it was pretty interesting. But we hit the high points, I think. Yeah. Um, of all the articles that we do. Um, so anyway, we're going to do smart dumb. And on previous smart dumb segments, we've talked about the smart mattress that tells you when you're snoring. Right. right? We've talked about uh, smart tampons that tell you how much blood you're losing or something. We've talked about some, oh, they might even tell you, what was the thing that tells you? It was like a smart pregnancy test that connects to the internet and tells you if you're pregnant and tells all the companies that want to sell you diapers if you're pregnant. Yeah, Um, I mean, apparently. (laughs) We talked about a smart sex toy that was selling, sending data back to the company. That yeah, makes it. the smart including mattress. your email address and when you were using it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. no, I was going to say like I know in Russia the smart mattress is very popular. In fact, they're almost making it like a national like thing that they like the government is giving it to people uh, because it, it lets you know if you're sleeping with a man or not. I'm I'm kidding. But, <laughs> oh my god! But that's, wow. that's kind of illegal there. <laughs> I knew there was a punchline yeah. somewhere in there. <laughs> But let's be clear, folks, that can happen. And it wasn't KGB mattress, right? It wasn't that long ago that, you know, wanting to lay down with a man was called the unspeakable act that like, you know, no law. I thought that was butt sex. I thought butt sex was the unspeakable act. (laughs) Butt sex is just the sex God can't see. I mean, yeah, Yeah. that's right. So so anyway, dark humor. This week's smart dumb is going to top all of those because right now. We have a smart condom. What? Yes, that's right. It's basically a Fitbit for your dick. I've never that heard tracks a- the thrust, speed, and velocity. Perhaps, other than military intelligence, I've never heard a greater oxymoron in my life <laughs> than smart condom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is from CNET. Sex wearable is coming is coming to track your performance and judge you. <laughs> the icon smart condom. The icon. The icon. Oh, my God. It's a con, all right? Yeah, it's a con. (laughs) The icon smart condom, which markets itself as the world's first smart condom, is actually a ring that fits over a boring, dumb condom and claims to track the exercise of your man bits, as well as detect chlamydia and syphilis. Oh, my God. What? And they have a picture of the box for this thing. It looks like a box that you would buy. Do you remember um, those those software boxes where you had to buy like a CD-ROM or something back in the nineties? With like buy, you'd buy like TurboTax or something, and yeah. it would come in a box. It looks like that, but it's completely black except for a blue condom on the front with like a circuit board on the condom. That's the that's the graphic. That's their logo. Okay. The ring, first announced last July, is currently available for pre-order on British condoms for fifty nine ninety nine pounds, about seventy five U S dollars. 97 Australian dollars with an unknown release date. 
but so you have to pre-order it. We don't know when it's going to be available yet, but you have to pre-order it for <laughs> yes. 75 bucks for a condom. Keep the con going in this condom. <laughs> but you can't actually put a ring on it yet. The company says it won't take your money until the product has a firm release. Oh, oh okay. Nice. Well, that's nice. They got to firm up that release date. Huh? Yeah. Right. yeah. They're just firming something up. In short, the Icon Ring promises to answer every burning question you've ever had about your sex session. Don't worry, it'll pair up with an app for all your data visualization needs. According to the pre-order page, the Ring will answer questions such as, What is my thrust velocity? Brian, have you ever wondered what your thrust velocity was? No. <laughs> Neither have I. No. Um, how fast are my thrusts? Fact, isn't, I- isn't that the same as the thrust velocity? There's velocity and speed are two. Yeah, velocity and speed are two different things. This right? is so redundant. Just listen. No, to velocity the mo- and speed are the same. Acceleration well, right. is different. Yeah. yeah, but like this is so redundant. Like just listen to the moans. That's your gauge, right? Uh, why, why do you need statistics on it? Yeah. I mean, if anything, you know, the only thing I want to track maybe is more of the decibels in the room, you know, like. <laughs> How many calories did that sex just burn? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Are you kidding? How many times did I just have sex? Haven't you ever wondered how many times you just had sex? I well, mean, you, you know, lost track. <laughs> this is the first fucking problem with this. Okay. Well, no, it's like the, like the 20th, but, and that is, is that like, look, you're, I mean, most, I could be wrong about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anecdotal evidence. I think most marriages are, you know, replete with, um, with, uh, extramarital affairs and yeah, you're just going to get common. all of them tracked, you know, like, like that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to be using this with and their wife. <laughs> it, it's a matter of fucking time before that data gets used against you. Oh yeah. And that's sure. the other thing too. It's a like, honeypot. Do you really think, I don't think there's a condom company or a sex toy lube, whatever company in the world that can afford proper secure, a proper security team, you know, cybersecurity team to secure your fucking data. And I mean, it's a matter of time before you get your ass Ashley Madison. Okay. You know, just like happened what last year, you know, how many millions of people, all of, all of their extramarital affairs came out. Oh yeah. They were doing, and people are getting blackmailed by the hackers. This is ridiculous. I mean, they, they just, they don't, I guarantee they don't have the, but you know what? I bet there'll be some schmucks that are just dying to know how fast they're thrusting and stuff. And please, if it, if it attains any kind of speed, you're probably doing it wrong. This, I yeah, mean, a lot of women don't like fast jackhammering, you know, <laughs> this is the quantified self movement gone so fucking wrong. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is where you turn into It's know. so bad. I mean, like the criticism of quantified self stuff is that you lose touch with yourself and how you're feeling and you're you're not really present in the moment because you're looking at these statistics, but you're not really experiencing what it feels like. Like, for example, if you have a thing that tells you how good you're sleeping or how long you're sleeping, you don't actually check in with your own body to say, hmm, do I feel tired right now? And no app can tell you that. You know, I wear the term nerd as a badge of honor. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I, I could tell you stories. I used to literally be called king of the nerds and I was known around, okay, but this is why nerds don't get laid. <laughs> like, like this is so like, cause if you're doing this shit and I, I just, I, I can't believe anybody like, I, I, how does this go? Like, yo, let me, let me put on this condom. Maybe Oh, hold on. I'm going to put this ring on. You know what this ring does? And he starts getting into it. And like the gal's probably going to fall asleep, you know, before like yeah, he right. even gets no, the shit nobody on. Nobody cares. It's right? so boring. <laughs> Holy shit. 
Well, it also tells, so in addition to telling you the speed and velocity of your thrusts, how many calories you burned and how many times you had sex. It took you too long to put the damn ring on. Yeah. Yeah. If you even get to that point, if you get that far, it'll tell you the skin temperature of your dick and what its girth is. Like, get out a ruler. Come on. Right. (laughs) And how many positions you just conquered, which is a terrible word. Conquered. Yeah. It, so, I wouldn't be surprised if it says like position unlocked, new position yeah, unlocked. All right, all right. Well, I mean, let me let me defend that term a little bit, and I'm not saying it's a good thing. Especially, I mean, this whole idea is dumb, okay, and it's insulting. I think mm-hmm. actually, but well, you can compare your statistics to people around the world. Right now, in now in gaming, in like video gaming, yeah, okay, using the word conquered, like you conquered a level, mm-hmm. okay, very commonplace. G- gamers, since I was a kid, have said. I hate it when people say that, like, like they hate it when people use the term conquer. Yeah. Like you could say you beat the level or something. And I'm not saying using beat would be any better in this because that right. sounds worse. <laughs> okay. But, uh, th- I understand why the term conquered gets used. It's not so out of place because this is the gamification of putting on a yeah, fucking condom. That's or, exactly what, dick. that's exactly what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. They're trying, trying to gamify sex. Yeah. And which I don't know why you'd need to do that, but it's not as though it's a boring activity that needs to be you know, <laughs> it's the ultimate in fun. Like, the, like it's it's the top. It doesn't right. It doesn't. Get, it's better than playing a game. Yeah. Right? I'd rather have sex than play a game. Right. Um, how do I stack it? So it says it aims to answer the age old question: How do I stack up at sex to everyone else around the world? Because sure, let's gamify sex. What could go wrong? Holy shit! The ring, which comes with a one year warranty, will have a micro USB charging port to provide six to eight hours of live usage. Not clear if this means thrust usage or something else. It that's will... not even going to last me a session. <laughs> six hours? Are you kidding? Hey, now that's way too long. Sorry. All right. <laughs> uh, worried about privacy? The data kind. British Condom says, quote, all data will be kept anonymous. Just trust us. Uh-huh. All data will be kept anonymous. No, the device but doesn't you... have an ID that they knew when they sold it to you. Of oh, course not. Of course not. not. It's linked to your credit card. But users will have the option to share their recent data with friends or indeed with the world. <sighs> this is. Forget dick pics. Now we have to worry about dick status updates. Oh, th- this is promoting like the worst behavior in men. Oh my you know, god! Yeah, like, I agree I, with that. I hate this, and and like when when guys and, and when I hear this, when guys start boasting about how many women they've slept with, mm-hmm. I mean, just instantly run away, like from that person. Yeah, because that, that's that's nuts. Cool. I mean, for for a bunch of reasons, you know. First off, I mean, and, and I, I I'm really not saying this as a boast myself. Okay, I've been with, you know. <laughs> i've been around okay and i like but I you're not boasting about it right no no i'm really not i'm just saying i can't keep track like mm-hmm. like you lose, okay so you don't know how many women yeah you lose okay. you lose track and it's not an insult to the women mm-hmm. or anything it's just like you really can't you yeah you, you cannot keep track and so when somebody says that i like i'm automatically thinking that they're either if they have an exact number i automatically either think they're lying or they're some kind of sociopath mm. because they're keeping score mm. you know and i just i think I think that's so nuts. Well, I can I I know every person I've been with, but I have to well, think about I'm, it for it takes me a while yeah, to make a but list. But I'm saying when you get above a certain <laughs> number, you really like I don't think you can really keep track. Like I don't care how good your memory is, especially if you're somebody. And here's the other thing too because a lot of these, you know, jamokes that that like to brag about their number, 
you know, they drink to, to no fucking end or, or they're doing, you know, they're imbibing some kind of substances or whatever that I have a hard time believing their memories that good, you know, to, to where they can like really say, oh yeah, I slept with this many. And it's like, yeah, I don't believe. Sometimes there's lots of alcohol involved. That's true. Yeah. I just, I, I, and I'm not insulting people for drinking or anything. I mean, go ahead, rock, you know, rock it out. I'm just saying that I really have a hard time believing it. And like, doing well, this I feel sort like, of thing i feel like yeah if if somebody asks how many people you've slept with there could be no right answer right sure so if somebody's asking you like it's they're either going to laugh at you for having too low or or get mad at you for having too high if somebody volunteers the information to you they're they're bullshitting you they're yeah. trying to impress you or they're trying to make you feel bad or they're trying to make you want to fuck them or something yeah yeah I, I mean, like, well, okay, so I remember. Oh, yes, I want to be 3001. <laughs> please, please fuck me tonight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Like, I remember, yeah, in an interview, like, Lemmy Kilmeister was getting asked how many women he'd slept with. Mm-hmm. And the the interviewer actually said, well, Tommy Lee, of course, of Motley Crue fame. Tommy Lee said he slept with over, two, you know, 2,500. Mm-hmm. And Lemmy just goes, oh, no, it was way more than that. But, like, he. He didn't know. And he's, Lemmy was, a, I mean, he was God. He was mm-hmm. a really smart guy. You know, I mean, he created the universe. And so, you know, if he doesn't remember, like, yeah, I just don't buy it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I think this is, and, and also this also plays in, for me, this plays into kind of the problem I have with, um, uh, uh, like with Tinder and a lot of these dating apps mm-hmm. is that it, I think it dehumanizes people. It turns them into swipes and statistics. Sure, I can see And that. I think this does the same damn thing where mm-hmm. it turns, it turns people into statistics. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does seem a little bit objectifying. I completely agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, from smart condoms to an update, Brian, we have got an update. Um, a, a while but I ago, didn't. We didn't get your thoughts. I want to know what you really think about. Oh, this I think thing. it's ridiculous. I mean, there's not much more to say. If you saw, well, no, really, if you saw a guy putting one of these things on, what would you do? Um, I probably wouldn't be sleeping with a guy. Well, but... right. I mean, yeah. The, uh. <laughs> <laughs> great answer <laughs> i love that answer yeah especially if we have to use condoms it's like uh, yeah get a vasectomy it. folks yeah well but, or or have a committed relationship where you don't need yeah. to worry about that and you have some birth alternative birth control figured out but i mean you know i i don't know i wouldn't completely rule it out i suppose but uh it's an unlikely scenario that i'd be in and um if they did that, I probably would just walk out of the room. Yeah. Like if they're paying more attention to their dick Fitbit than me, then that's not going to be a good experience for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, good answer, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that's how most people, would unless react. you want to test it out with me, Brian, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that would not be as good as the real thing without it. <laughs> not interested at all. <laughs> okay. All right. We've settled that. We're not going to be, we're not going to be product testing yeah. for this. So, okay. Smart dumbs over. Now we got an update on a, a previous article that we covered on sex and science hour. Okay. Ready for it? Let's do it. Okay, so at the beginning of the season, we talked about a guy who had a penis transplant, and his was the first penis transplant ever. It was done at Mass General Hospital. So there's an update on this person. Okay. His name is Thomas Manning, and he saw no reason to be silent about the cancer that developed in his penis or the genital amputation that was his only chance to stop it from becoming more serious and save his life. I never hid it from anybody, he says, and the same candor guided Manning when he chose to become the first man in the United States to receive a penis transplant last May. He chatted with reporters and gave a thumbs up to photographers as he recovered from his surgery in a bed at Mass General Hospital. When I lost it, I wasn't ashamed, he said. When I got it back, why should that be any different? 
Manning's attitude helped humanize a surgical milestone, a complex procedure made possible by dramatic changes in the concept of transplantation that have taken hold over the past generation, to say nothing of the determination of physicians who ignored skeptical colleagues. Such transplants may offer help to victims of injury, disease, or general genetic anomalies that left them feeling less than whole. The surgery may also aid wounded warriors returning home with severe trauma to genitalia, a subset of young veterans who are much more likely to commit suicide than their peers. Yeah, it is. It it is bad. Like when something's messed up about your body identity and your genitalia and that relates to gender, like people get really depressed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Transgender people or people have injuries. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I mean, I mean, this with all seriousness. It might sound funny, but like, I am terrified of something ever happening to my genitalia. Like, yeah. I mean, really. Yeah, I think everybody's afraid of that. Yeah. As life changing as genital surgery or injury can be to male patients, it remains largely invisible to outsiders, says urologist and transplant surgeon Dickin Co. Oh my God, his name is Dickin, and he's a urologist and transplant surgeon. Well, I mean, Dickin Co. You got old Tom here manning up. Oh, my God. Doctors have the funniest names sometimes. So, okay. Oh, you're going to talk about Dick's house? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at Dartmouth, um, where I went to medical school for two years, um, yeah, the infirmary was called Dick's house because it was named after this kid, Richard Hall, and they didn't want to call it Hall's Hall. So they called it (laughs) Dick's house. So so whenever you're sick, you had to go to Dick's house because that was like the student health insurance. And also... um, at the time, my boyfriend at the time graduated from medical school. I did not graduate because I quit before I graduated, but he graduated. I went to his graduation and there were there were Dr. Johnson, Dr. Wang and Dr. Dong all graduated from the class. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do I, I might know Dr. Wang. Was his first name Lo? No. <laughs> it wasn't Lo Wang? <laughs> all right. Never mind. You know Dr. Johnson. I do know Dr. Johnson. <laughs> that was my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. So anyway, back to uh, Dr. Ko here, Dick and Co. He says, what struck us was that these people are suffering in silence. And he's talking about people who have genital injuries and maybe yeah. need a transplant. Um, Manning's bravery in speaking out and the surgical team's willingness to attempt a new procedure, one that took years of preparation and the contribution of more than four dozen clinicians, may help change all of that. One man's transplant could not only aid countless men, but also help fight the stigma and sense of loss that so many of them live with. In late January of 2012, Tom Manning was working as a courier for a bank in Boston in the financial district. He slipped on an icy sidewalk one morning, and the heavy handcart he was pushing landed on top of him, injuring his groin. About two months later, when the injury was still painful, he sought treatment at Mass General Hospital, where an exam reveals, revealed bruised and swollen genitals and a hematoma, a collection of blood, in his scrotum. Ouch. So he bruised his dick on a cart, basically, Ugh, slipping on the ice. It's painful just hearing it. Yeah, it sounds horrible. But the doctor examining Manning also noticed that the tip of his penis felt unusually firm. <laughs> and he wasn't just happy to see the doctor. It was cancer. Um, (laughs) MGH urologist oncologist Adam Feldman performed a biopsy, which confirmed Feldman's suspicion. Manning had squamous cell carcinoma of the penis or penile cancer. So he wouldn't have found out that he had cancer on his penis unless he had this injury where he slipped and fell. So it was kind of lucky that he had that. So that's how he got diagnosed. Only about 2000 men in the United States. And there's 350 million people in the United States. Only about 2,000 men in the United States were designed with were, were diagnosed with penile cancer in 2016, according to the American Cancer Society. 
In Manning's case, the malignancy had deeply invaded the tissue of his penis, and Feldman had no choice but to amputate most of it, leaving a stump of just a few centimeters. Ouch. After, I have no words. I'm sorry, you're cringing over That's there. Right. <laughs> Every guy listening to this is cringing. After every person with a penis is cringing. After surgery, Manning urinated through a catheter while he healed. But when the catheter was removed, he found that he had difficulty urinating while standing up. His urine would spray, often staining his clothes. And he should have just gone in the pool. I mean, that would have <laughs> solved it. Sorry. That's yeah. Um, his urine would spray, often staining his clothes. Frustrated, he began searching the internet for a solution. During a routine office visit, Manning told Feldman, if you guys ever do a penis transplant, I want to be the first guy. <laughs> his entreaties continued during subsequent visits, but Feldman always had to tell his patient, we're not doing that yet. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, this is so sad and painful even to hear, but yeah. I mean, I could just picture it being kind of funny, like just walking up to the front desk of Mass General, like once, uh, yeah, hi, once a week, a penis transplant? yeah, and just say, it's like, Hey, you guys, uh, available yet? you figure out that penis transplant yet? I'm ready to go. Like, <laughs> I'm dying here. You don't oh, understand. I bet he was, but he had to <laughs> lobby for it for years, I guess. Well, <laughs> but the time was drawing closer. <laughs> I was going to say you're raising up stink because you can't raise anything. Oh, 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 oh. all right. Sorry. (laughs) But the time was drawing closer. Transplanting external tissue from one person to another was long thought to be impossible because the body particularly and aggressively rejects skin that is not its own. However, new immune suppressing drugs in the 1980s and 90s helped overcome that problem. The first successful hand transplant was performed in 1998 and the first face transplant in 2005. These complex procedures involving skin, bone, muscles, blood vessels, nerves, and connective tissue have become known as vascularized composite allografts, or VCAs. In 2006, surgeons in China transplanted the penis of a brain-dead male aged 22 onto a 44-year-old man who had a, quote, traumatic penile defect. Citing severe psychological distress by the recipient and his wife, doctors amputated the graft two weeks later. Oh, my God. Before news of this operation circulated, however, Coe had begun to consider the prospect of performing penile transplants. VCAs had pushed transplantation into a new direction because, unlike solid organ transplants, they aren't life-saving, yet they require the patient to take potentially toxic immunosuppressive drugs for life. Undaunted by colleagues who felt that transplanting a penis was ill-advised or inappropriate, Coe approached Cerullo in 2012 after he and his team had performed MGH's first-hand transplant and began to discuss the possibilities. They were spurred on by the arrival of Glenn Beresford, a new urologic oncology fellow at MGH, who had been a U.S. Navy commander and worked at the Naval Medical Center, which eventually became the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. Beresford had become had been part of a team that had treated more and more men coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan with severe genitourinary trauma. I'm sure that wasn't all the trauma they had, but yeah. Um, We were seeing injuries we had not seen before, and quite frankly, we didn't know what to do with them, says Beresford, now a urologic oncologist at Kaiser Permanente in Santa Rosa, California. There's a procedure called penile reconstruction, or phalloplasty, in which a surgeon excises a flap of skin, fat, and other tissues from the forearm or leg and uses it to form something resembling a penis that can be sutured into place. The graft allows a man to urinate and may eventually develop sensation. For a man with such a graft to get an erection, however, requires penile prostheses, and infections and other complications are common. And even the most skilled plastic surgeon can only approximate the appearance of a natural penis. 
So basically, the alternative that they had before, it wasn't very good. Right. They could take a chunk of skin from your leg and then, you know, put a balloon in it, but it really did not resemble a penis at all and it wasn't didn't feel good. The transplant of a donor penis might be an improvement, but before Coe and Cirillo could move forward, they needed the approval of the MGH Institutional Review Board, or IRB, which grants permission for experimental procedures. In June 2014, the surgeons submitted a detailed proposal that explained how they would perform the penile transplant and why the procedure would fill an important need, providing a natural appearance that couldn't be achieved through reconstructive surgery, restoring full urinary function, including the ability to urinate while standing up, and possibly reestablishing sexual function. The IRB sent back the proposal several times with questions and comments. They kept saying, nobody has done this before, says Ko. The board and most Western doctors discounted the 2006 transplant in China because so little was known about it. But in late 2014, doctors from Stellenbach University and Tigerberg Hospital in Cape Town, South Africa, transplanted a penis for a 21-year-old patient who had been mutilated in a ritual circumcision. Oh, God. I'm I'm just sitting over oh, here in pain. Cringing. If anybody's wondering why I'm quiet, because oh, I... only a couple months after the transplant, this young man had regained the ability to have sex. It was reported that he got his girlfriend pregnant in early 2015. Jesus Christ! Co and Cerullo amended their IRB proposal, noting this the, the success of that surgery in 2015 December. The IRB gave its approval. And the guy got a new penis and a new life. Happily ever after, the end. There's a little, there's more to that story, but we'll we'll put the link in the show notes for this if you want to read more about it. But that's just an update as a little more detail on the penis transplant. So it's successful. Is he that the said, bottom line? He said he peed into a toilet bowl, and for the first time in four years, he hit that bullseye. That was his moment. <laughs> that was his shining glory. <laughs> there's more coming up on the after show. This is Sex and Science Hour. If you're leaving You've us just now, thanks for tuning Sex in. Science Sex and Science Hour. Hour. Game over. See you next week. Play again next week. Sex and Science Hour. This is the after show. And in case you're not familiar, when the show's over, it's not really over. <laughs> There's more coming up. Boy, you know, that that show, though, ended with a... It started with a piss and it ended with a piss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it that, really did. It was like... <laughs> that was full circle right geez, there. Yeah. From the pool to the bowl. I yeah, mean, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but yes, the after show. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah. When you go through that link... That's where all the magic of the after show happens. Exactly. That was a great promo, Brian. Thank so you. yeah, what what he means by that is um we actually take we create the content from the after show based on what people buy through our Amazon affiliate link called stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. So if you go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and you go shopping on amazon.com, then we can see a list of what people bought. 
and we can talk about it on the show and speculate about why they bought it. And we get we actually get a little bit of money to support our show from you doing your shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. So thank you so much for that. And actually, if you don't have um, if your country's Amazon is not available on there, um, you can actually support us directly by giving us Bitcoin or sending us PayPal donations. We have links on our website at sexandsciencehour.com. They're on the just on the little sidebar on our website. You'll see it. It's fairly, fairly prominent if you scroll down. So thank you very much for supporting our show. That helps us do the show. And it's also really entertaining to talk about and see what people bought on Amazon and it's speculated. And you know it. what? I'll, I'll announce this here. And this is Ooh, you know, totally you're live. getting a special announcement. Yeah. Here. And, and well, I'll give you two announcements. One of them is, is that I will set up and it'll be in the show notes for this episode and we'll add it to the website at some point, but it'll be in, in the, in the show notes for this episode. Um, I will set up a shielded and an unshielded Zcash address Ooh, where you can yes. donate Zcash to, to sex and science. I Hour. love that idea. Um, and so shielded is where it'd be totally anonymous and, uh, like, you know, no one will ever know that you really donated except for us. And, uh, you know, no one will know what that happened. somebody donated. We won't know it was you. Exactly. Um, and then the <laughs> unshielded. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the unshielded one is the one that you can like kind of track on, on the Zcash blockchain. blockchain yeah. um, but I will, I will uh, add that into the show notes for this very episode and then we'll have it on the website as well. Oh, uh, in super the very cool. Near Thanks, so, Brian. Thanks yeah. for doing that. That sounds really great. And the second announcement is quick. Mm-hmm. I had a topic I wanted to bring up in the after show, but I'm actually, and it was going to be about sexting but i'm yes. gonna say oh it. yeah yeah no 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 yeah i want to save it because you're gonna be on sovereign tech tomorrow oh you want to talk about that on, we'll sovereign talk tech about instead? It on sovereign tech okay i think that's fair all right just remember because i i probably won't remember no, i didn't I'll, remember that we were going to talk about it on the on this, on yeah, this show that's right i'll remember it and and so if if you listen to stephanie's going to be uh the co-host on or a guest on yes, Sovereign Tech tomorrow. We sure and so will. you can find that'll be episode 315. So, or I'm sorry, 215. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Getting a little bit ahead future. of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Back to the future there. <laughs> anyway. All right. Let's, uh, what, what did people buy this week? Okay. So what did people buy? I'm just opening up all the stuff that people bought actually. So, um, we are doing, we're actually a little bit behind on our Amazon stuff. We're doing the second half of the stuff from a couple of weeks ago. Actually, okay. So tonight. So we're catching up. Tomorrow we're going to record um, another show and we'll Insider's do, we'll view. catch up. So this stuff is like a couple weeks old, but never fear. So anyway, um, we had the, uh, in the, we're starting with the games department here. We had the Carcassonne expansion one inns and cathedrals game it looks like a role-playing game where you it's like it's like monopoly but it takes place in the middle ages so uh okay it's it's a yeah yeah it's pretty cool it's manufactured tabletop made by z-man games and yeah it's uh that looks pretty cool i think we talked about that on one of the uh, previous shows we also had the carcassonne expansion 2 traders and builders game so somebody's like really into this game yeah, I, I love tabletop gaming. Uh, we really don't. Oh yeah, At we don't do point, enough of that. We should do more. Yeah, we need to. We need to get in on that. I agree. Um, in fact, there's a game. I'm trying Solar. There's one I I really wanted to check out. Um, that was called. Oh, uh, it. Or, sorry, not Solar. Sonar. Uh, Captain Sonar. That's it's a board game that I've been wanting to try for a while. So anyway, Captain Sonar. Yeah, okay, Captain tell Sonar. Tell me more about that. That and Secret Hitler are two games I've wanted to. Secret Hitler. Yeah, that. Oh my God, with a name like that, how could you go wrong? Right? Yeah, it should be interesting. Anyway, all right, keep going. <laughs> I feel like there's some not so secret Hitlers walking around. <laughs> yeah, they're not secret anymore. They might have been for 
a few uh, maybe they were a decade in hiding or so. for a while, but yeah. now they're like coming out of the woodwork here. <laughs> there was another tabletop game which looks kind of similar. It's called Ravensburger: The Castles of Burgundy. Oh, nice! Yeah. Um, game idea. Over the course of phases of play, collector, sorry, players collect the game-deciding victory points via trading, livestock farming, city building, or scientific research. The player with the most victory points at the end is the winner. Playing Exciting. times 30 to 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody got a, a patch. This is really cool. So in Jurassic Park, they have these jackets that they, the park rangers wear. Yeah. That's like a patch with a dinosaur and it says Jurassic Park Rangers. This person got one of those patches. That is awesome. It's only five bucks, but you can iron it onto like the sleeve of your jacket and you can be a Jurassic Park Ranger. That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. I want one now. I, I <laughs> Don't you? I oh, yeah. One. I collect a lot of patches like this. Yeah, you do. Um, I have my, my Orion Slave Woman um, or Slaving Guild oh, patch. Oh, that's right. You haven't like ironed that onto anything, right? No. You haven't, you're non-committal about that. Well, you got to have the right jacket. jacket for this stuff. I mean, You do. You I need also... like a black jean jacket, I feel like. Yeah, good, or even if you can get one. it done on leather, some you, you got to go somewhere special for that. But yeah. I also have my kind of my prize. It's one of my prize possessions is I have a patch that is uh, the United Earth patch from Buck Rogers from the 1980 Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Oh yeah, and that I mean that is like that's going to require a very special jacket. So anyway, yeah. Indeed. Okay, so after the Jurassic Park uh, Rangers patch, we are going to the electronics department. We had a uh, one of those wall outlets that you can plug in um, a, like a regular plug, but you can also plug in USB devices to charge handy. them. That is super handy. We should probably get that. And it's a bestseller on Amazon. So this was a, a $20 price point, and it was a, it's called the Top Greener... Um, TU2154 4 amp smart high speed USB wall charging outlet. 15 amps, TR receptacle free. Screw cool. Screwless wall plate, white. I just wanted to say screwless, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's cool because I guess you can just like snap it onto the wall or something. Like you don't have to screw it into the wall. I don't know how that works, but it's hmm. pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's modernizing your your outlet, your electrical charging yeah. outlet. Uh, let's see. We had a 700-watt uh, uh, dimmer switch with uh, three interchangeable face colors. So that's cool. So you can make it white, tan, or beige. Well, I uh, recently had to uh, do some dimmer did. switch replacing. You did a dimmer switch, and yep. you did a great job. You're like a little amateur electrical. Not so little. I mean, well, <laughs> you're like an amateur or not so amateur electrical guy. Yeah, I'm 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 I dare say amateur. My father was actually a master electrician. Like I mean, master, like high really high end. Um, mm -hmm. I I forget what they call those levels for like within electrical engineering, but like there's different classifications you can get. He's like an and, artisan electrician. Yeah, I mean, he's the real the real fucking deal, but anyway. Right. Well, can we maybe like pretend that you're some kind of electrical repairman? I will you've come to help me with my light switches. I will absolutely I'll be do very that. grateful for very it. Very grateful, I imagine. <laughs> you know, and yeah, that'd I be can, fun. I can just picture. Uh, oh, and, all right. Um, <laughs> let's let's carry on, shall we? <laughs> um, okay, we have the uh, the Baco Eng hot water circulation pump circulator pump for a solar heater system. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. That was 85 bucks. We had to replace a pump that was sort of like that. Yep, I did that too. Yeah, you did. You did. Um and a Juno white baffle, which is it looks like a light like a like kind of like a lampshade but like just 
you know, a thing where you set the light in the in the ceiling. I'm not good at describing this shit. <laughs> I'll just move on. Yeah. All right. In the sports and outdoors department, we got Ripped 90, Get Ripped in 90 Days, Complete Home Fitness 14 DVD set. Oh, wow. wow. This reminds me of P90X. Now, I did P90X for years. P90X is uh, Tony Horton's thing yeah. where he has these DVDs. Look at the DNA release on that guy. <laughs> There's one part where he says that, which is really funny. This guy's like sweating on the floor and he points to it and he goes, look at the DNA release on this guy. It's as though he just like came on the floor or something. It's really funny. Um, Tony Horton's kind of nuts, but he's very motivational. And um, yeah, I did I did the P90X workouts every day for years. Um, I probably was in a lot better shape then. <laughs> Maybe I should start doing them again. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's kind of a commitment. It takes about an hour to do each one. Every yeah, day. some of them are an hour and a half. I, I'm not that kind of like that kind of intensity guy. Only certain yeah. days, like because I mean, that's like a really like it's intense. It's yeah, yeah, it's really intense. You get you get very fit, but yeah, it's you get, you're very sore for the first month or so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, constantly I'm, sore. I'm a much bigger believer. I mean, I work out all the time, you know, as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and I like to do it daily. Yeah. But uh, I like a 30 minute workout like three or four times a week. Yeah. I and mean, then I, yoga. Yeah. Like I agree, like an hour is good, but I am way more about like that slow, you know, very slow build. Yeah. Uh, and, and even like, like being slow, you know, kind of in the gym. I, I think you need all different kinds. Like a fast, intense workout is good sometimes too. But, Every once in a while. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's not really great to be like constantly sore and in pain. Agreed. Because, yeah. you know, that kind of, it, you could overtrain and get muscle breakdown. Right. And you wouldn't get any gains right. if you're trying to build muscle. So I guess that's it for the sports category. Our listeners must be pretty nerdy because <laughs> anything else in there. It's a good thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> we have the... uh well, you know, I wouldn't mind if if some meatheads were listening to our show. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I used to be kind of a meathead myself. Sure. I would go to the gym every single day. I did P90X. Now look at me. I'm softy. <laughs> you are gorgeous. Thank you, sweetie. Like you Thank are. You. Yeah. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. And, and well, except no, my cardiovascular health. But <laughs> well, even that. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Come no, nighttime, just, your, your cardiovascular health's doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in the uh, office department, we got the Scotch Pro Thermal Laminator two roller system. You know what this is good for? Laminating your Bitcoin paper wallets. Uh-huh. I have one of these for just that reason. Nice, <laughs> because you know paper wallets can fade, like the ink can fade over time, and if it's you know if it gets wet, you're kind of fucked. So you know laminating it helps it last longer. So mm-hmm. if you're going to give if you like, I've I've done it before where I've made a paper wallet, put some Bitcoin on it, and then given it to someone as a gift. Yeah, and I laminated it it's because in case they keep it for a long time, they'll be able to access those coins. No, it's a great trick, great yeah, move for sure. Um, we had the Glitch Fix It Adventures book number two in the Kindle store by Eric Schubach. This looks like a sexy book. There's like a there's like a sexy woman on the front with like steampunk pilot goggles and like an aviator jacket. All right. This short novella follows Fix It, a worker on the surface of Tau Ceti Prime in another adventure. Fix-It is faced with the recall of Glitch, the pinger who is her oldest and best friend, Dirtside. She has to fight to prove <laughs> his sentience and prevent him from being deactivated and torn apart to be examined. Favors are called in and secrets revealed while more questions are brought to the surface. Can Vashon and Fix-It and Fix bring Glitch home safely or will the text topside at New Terra be his end? 
Wow. Like a cute, cute sci-fi book. Yeah, it sounds pretty wild. <laughs> um, we had uh, square. We had a square reader, like a credit card reader. Yeah. You know, the square devices. The company square. Yeah. yeah. So this is like, you know, one of those wireless readers that you can just put the credit card in and take it out and it, do, it does this thing. It charges the person's card and it's contactless. So you don't even have to plug it into your iPad or whatever. And then we also added like a, like a dock for it. So it charges it up or whatever. You put it in a stand. So cool. Those things go together. Um, oh, some thermal laminating pouches. So you've got to put your Bitcoin wallets in there too. Nice. Yep. Um, this is really cute. In the home and kitchen department, we had a soap dispenser that is shaped like a dinosaur and you push the dinosaur's head and the soap comes out of its mouth. <laughs> it's shaped like a T-Rex as the little arms and everything. <laughs> it's great for when you're wearing your Jurassic Park Ranger patch. Exactly. Somebody must like dinosaurs. It's called the Casatex Dino Park Lotion Dispenser. Nice. And it's a, it's a blue dinosaur with blue spots. So super, super cute. Um, oh, another Jurassic Park Ranger patch. This one's just slightly different than the other one. This one's round. The other one was like a triangle. Um, so I, I have a feeling they all go together. Oh, somebody's cleaning their sex toys. We had the Shibari antibacterial toy cleaner, eight ounce spray bottle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so what is in this stuff? Because it says it's a targeted spray system, triclosan free, alcohol free, glycerin free, paraben free. What the hell is in it? Is it just water, vinegar? interesting might be that kind of reminds me of like uh what is it the the dry gas or like 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 <laughs> right the, or the gas it? antifreeze yeah and, and all this is like like methanol like mm. i mean there's you know you can buy it you know by the by the almost the metric ton for the same price that you buy for your gas line antifreeze <laughs> you know it's just fancy terms right Oh my God, the reviews on this are great. Nothing kills a sexy mood quite like a UTI. Washing and disinfecting <laughs> your sex toys is a must, unless you want it to burn when you pee. <laughs> Sounds great, or smells great, but gave me a wicked allergic reaction after I used it to clean my toy. Not for sensitive skin. <laughs> Yikes. Oh boy. I mean, it's it's a good idea to clean your sex toys, but um, soap and water works really well. Yeah, I was going to say. You know what I love? Um, glass glass dildos. If yep. you're into using dildos, um, you can take a glass dildo and boil it or you put it in the dishwasher and it completely cleans it and everything's like totally sterile. And it's like, you don't have to do anything. It's super easy. I might have, uh, yeah. You, yeah, you might have, have some experience with that, huh? Yeah, might yeah. have. Um... Or you can clean it with soap and water, but then it just feels like you're jerking off this glass dildo <laughs> into the sink. It's really weird. It's very weird. Uh, in the household department, uh, we've got. Wait, that wasn't in the household department? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it was. Health and personal I mean, shit, care. If you're going to clean anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in the same department. <laughs> we have a pure science L tyrosine, 700 milligrams. Um, so they're claiming that this improves. This is L tyrosine, it's an amino acid. Um, it improves cognition, reduces blood pressure, alleviates stress, is the claim. No gluten, fifty hmm. vegetarian capsules. So, I mean, to, you know, amino acids—they can be the precursors of a lot of neurotransmitters and stuff like that. Um, tyrosine is—I I think you can just get it from food, right? It's an essential amino acid, so it's in proteins and stuff. 
Um, pure science, L-tyrosine, it says boosts cognition, focus, memory, and allows you to think clearly. L-tyrosine is an amino acid that promotes cognitive function of the brain and produces dopamine, a neurotransmitter that makes you feel good, rewarded, and motivated. Okay, so that's the, that's probably why people use it, because it's a precursor to dopamine. Yeah. So it helps you make more dopamine and feel good. Um, Better than just looking for Facebook likes, I guess. Yeah. Probably easier. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's when you've run out of dopamine because you've had so many Facebook interactions that your dopamine is depleted. So yeah. you're like, Ugh, you're twitching, you're depressed. You're like, God, I need some dopamine. Quick, give me the L-tyrosine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, L-tyrosine <laughs> stat. <laughs> Mainline that shit. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. All right. <laughs> we also had the nature-wise vitamin D, um, 5,000 units for healthy muscle function, bone health, and immune support. Boy, they're making a lot of claims for, for dietary supplements. Like, I thought you weren't supposed to make any claims of health claims, or the FDA would, would just kill you, or they would bust your ass. Maybe Trump is like loosened up on the uh, on the supplements uh, front. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a scammer. So <laughs> somebody in he, charge of the FDA who doesn't care, you can claim anything you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like I take a lot of uh, quote unquote natural supplements, mm-hmm. you know, and um, yeah, you know, that's interesting because I don't. The only way I find the claims is on reading articles about them. Yeah, you that's what you used to have to do. You couldn't Amazon. put print the claims like on the bottle or anything like that. Or you'd have to say like star this asterisk. This claim has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Blah blah blah. I half wonder if like you know because a lot of supplement companies and I'm not I'm not claiming what this person bought mm-hmm. you know are, are scams, but a lot of supplement companies are absolute scams and they're very hit and run. They'll they'll ship and run for like six months yeah. or less. And then they, they run away. Yeah. Um, the companies that I generally buy my supplements from, like Now Foods and some others. Yeah, you know, Now they, Foods has been around forever. Yeah, they've been around forever. So they probably, because they're actually playing a long game, mm-hmm. they play by the rules. Yeah. You know, as to where some of these companies probably, they you know, they don't care and they, they can get away with Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever. have you seen some of the tests on fish oil? It's atrocious. It's like not even fish oil. Right. Or it's rancid. It's completely rancid. Yeah, it's, it's getting shipped rancid. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, vitamin D is legit. Like, you know, I think Need maybe, it? you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to beat depression or seasonal depression or whatever, um, vitamin D is a good way to go. Vitamin D can. Um, uh, sorry. Cholesterol is a precursor to vitamin D as well as uh, steroid hormones. Yeah. So those can all be connected. And yeah, I was going to say, I, I think like. You know, if somebody's feeling down or whatever and they want to take some supplements to try to boost their mood, I mean, they're probably taking a pretty decent approach, I would say. Yeah. Right? Like, there's supplements that can make you, you know, feel better. Uh, Definitely. Fish fish oil is one, by the way. If you're trying to help your mood, um, definitely start with fish oil, I would would say. I mean, I'm not, you know, not that kind of doctor to take everything I say with a grain of salt, do your own research and stuff. But if I was trying to do that, that's what I would do. I would take more fish oil. I would eat more animal, animal protein in general. Okay, two questions, very yeah. quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't need to like explain them in in depth. But one is is like with fish oil, like capsules or liquid. Like, is there uh, is there a major great difference? Question. Um, yes. So with, I've been thinking about adding it to my regimen. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, so capsules, you just can't consume as much as you can with a liquid. Um, with a liquid, you can swallow a whole tablespoon of it. With a, you would have to take like six or eight pills to get that much. Okay, right now, so the the, the milligrams, the amount the amount that I've heard is mm-hmm. what's the most researched is a thousand milligrams. 
A thousand milligrams is one gram, which is a tiny amount of fat. So, and it depends on what kind of oil you're getting. So, um, fish oil contains EPA and DHA. Those are right. two different fatty acids, and they're called essential fatty acids because you can't make them in your own body. You have to get them from food. Right. The, now, there are some vegetarian sources of those, but the thing is, they're they're a precursor to EPA and DHA. You can really only get those essential fatty acids from uh, like fatty fish, from salmon, and yeah, from grass fed beef, and others and animal sources. So people say like walnuts and flax seeds have this thing called ALA, which is, um, which is a fat that can be converted into EPA or DHA, but not everybody can convert it or like nobody converted or something like that. It's basically not as good of a source. Like animal is the best source. Okay. And your brain needs those fatty acids to function. And so a lot of people say like, you know, they go vegetarian and they get depressed. Right. And part of it is probably because of that. And also, you know, the others... that's why pescatarianism is such a thing, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Other stuff gets out of whack, too, like, you know, choline and stuff like your brain is made up all of lipids and fats. So if you eat a low fat diet or if you're eating a plant based diet, you're you're probably not getting all the nutrients that your brain really needs. Yeah, to you're literally not. Your brain is your brain. a lot of your brain is made up of cholesterol, actually. Right. But you can make cholesterol in your body. So that's not that big of a deal. But um, those essential fatty acids, you just you really can't get them. OK, so what would be what do you think is the dosage that that is most beneficial on a daily basis for somebody to take? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, so I haven't researched this, so I don't really feel comfortable doing it. But what do you do? Um, basically, you can get concentrated fish oil or you can get um, just kind of like the, the concentration of EPA and DHA in the fish oil varies. Yeah. So you can look it up. Some have more than others. So um, what what you said with a thousand milligrams of EPA and DHA per day, mm-hmm. is that what you read? Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, so you want to eat enough fish oil basically to get that amount of EPA and DHA. You might have to swallow a tablespoon of fish oil to get that much EPA and DHA. Right. But it depends on the concentration of how concentrated they are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, but like all I had understood, Mm because I started looking into this recently, um, was that that was the amount that has been most researched. Uh Uh-huh. And, but that's it. Not saying it's the best. Yeah, that's not that's saying, right. So they that might be the amount that has the most research behind it, but they don't know if that's optimal or whatever. Right, right. And but there is the there is some research that says you can have too much. Yeah. So I'll give you a good guideline. Here's a good guideline. Okay. Eat salmon, wild salmon, mm-hmm. a couple times a week, uh-huh. or some other fatty fish that has omega three fatty acids. Mackerel um, is one that. Some people say mackerel has mercury. Sardines are a very cheap source of omega-3. Yep. Um, you know, what are some other fatty fish? I mean, just any fish that, that has, like, fat in it. Sure. Tuna can be fatty sometimes, but most of the time you're not getting the fatty part of the tuna. You're getting the lean part. I forgot to get sardines at the store today. I fucking love sardines. Mm. Big fan. Yeah, I like sardines too. Yeah, yeah they're pretty good on a salad or something. Um, so yeah, sardines are a great way to do it on the cheap. Anchovies is another great way to do it on the cheap yep. to get your fish oil. Um, so and the, the little fish aren't really so bad with the mercury either. Right. So they that's can't another really good thing. Much of anything. Right. Um, so so yeah, the the little fatty fish. Eat fish a couple times a week. If you hate fish or you don't have access to it, um, you could get a fish oil supplement and swallow, you know, a teaspoon a day or something like that. Hmm. I would say that's a pretty good guideline. Or also grass-fed beef and lamb and um, uh, other animals like that, like 
ruminants, you mm-hmm. know, animals that chew their cut or whatever. Um, you can get omega threes from that if they're grass fed, but okay. con- conventionally raised doesn't have it. Okay. Yep. Got it. Love it. So, yeah, I mean, it's always best to get things from your diet if you can, rather than taking supplements. Yeah. So that's the reason I don't take many supplements. Like, I try to get everything from my diet if I possibly can. But I do take some vitamin D in the winter. I take magnesium um, because it helps with uh, cramps, actually, ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the only supplements I take are usually stuff that actually grows, like, in, in, honestly, the Middle East Mm. or even more the Mediterranean, Mm. something like that. That's just not popular to get in any kind of food in Mm -hmm. in the Americas. Um, So that's, yeah, I I agree with you. Get it from your food if you can. Yeah. Probiotics. I mean, I take probiotics, but I also drink kombucha. And I, you know, I make my own kombucha and I drink it. And I also eat uh, kimchi Mm -hmm. as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Allergic to milk, so I don't do yogurt or anything like that. But I, I do like some of the fermented foods. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you can get it from your diet, try it. If not, then supplements are the next best thing. Fair. So, anyway, um, what else do people get? So, uh, oh, we got some uh, some clothing choices. Okay. Somebody got New Balance Men's Steel-Toed Work Boots. What color are they? Black. Good. Yep. I knew you would approve. <laughs> <laughs> there are no other colors. There are no, yeah, black is the really the only color. Um, herbal tea, mint, uh, 100 count. Somebody's been buying these stash packs of tea. Like they must own, have a restaurant or something. Oh, maybe. They put out stash teas, but they, they got a mint herbal tea pack of 100. Oh, here's an interesting item. Pork skins in brine, curitos. Oh, tasty. 16 ounces, one pound, plastic jar. I've had pork rinds. I'm a big fan of pork rinds, but I've never seen pork skins in a jar. I don't even know what where this comes from. Um, <laughs> ingredients, pork skins, brine, water, salt, vinegar, carrot, green chilies, and spices. Wow. All right. This is so, this is so interesting. Um, they're a key ingredient in making a Mexican snack called tostilocos. Tostilocos are a popular Mexican snack that consists of tortilla chips topped with curitos, pork skins, cu- cucumber, jicama, and lime juice, Valentina hot sauce, chamoy, tagine chili powder, salt, and, quote, Japanese peanuts. Wow. That's so interesting. I would have never thought. Mm. Um, oh, somebody got the real, this is the real good stuff. Country ham cracklins. This is pork rinds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had microwave pork rinds? They're so good. Oh yes. my god. Yeah, yeah. I remember. They're you like made them. popcorn. Yeah. I yeah. put them in the microwave and then I just snack on them. Oh, it's so, such a great snack. I had some really good pork rinds in Mexico. I can, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, that's how good they got the there. best ones there. That's that's where they know chicharrones. <laughs> 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 um, we had the Veracity USA Outreach Max Poe powered LAN extender. Um, this is a network extender, so it extends oh, your, your network. Yeah, that's cool. Um, $132 price point. All right. Uh, the creep zit <laughs> green fiberglass wire running kit. Oh, this is like when you're trying to run a wire through a wall or something. And you can just put this pole through and, and oh, grab it. Oh, that's handy. Yeah, oh, we used yeah, to use wire hangers for that sort of thing. That's y- great. Yeah, you don't ha- no longer have to do it with a coat hanger. You just get this thing. <laughs> Love it. We had a two pack of uh, iPod Air screen protectors, nine ninety nine. Nice. And I think we might have even had an iPod in here, some iPad in here somewhere. I don't know. Um, 
iCreatin gigabit power over Ethernet injector adapter power supply for 20 bucks. Somebody's probably building a network. Um, WD Red two terabyte two terabyte NAS hard drive. We have a NAS. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hell yeah! Oh man, I love having a NAS. Yep, it's having your own little home server. Mm-hmm. It's so simple to set up. It's the best. Kensington secure back payments enclosure and stand for iPad Air and iPad Air two. I wonder if someone was setting up like a payment terminal because we had that Stripe device. Or that square oh, square device. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have this um, payment enclosure stand for the iPad. Air. iPads make great registers. It's we a, had a, it's a the screen protector. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think maybe it all goes together. Yeah, That's I could believe cool. it. That's it's awesome. Part of the grand plan. That's cool. So this is basically a stand that you put your iPad on, and it can swivel around, and it makes like a payment terminal out of it. Awesome. It's cool. One hundred and forty dollar price point. Um, laptop lock for business. This probably goes with it too. Thirty five yeah. bucks. Um, and the CTA Digital Universal Anti-Theft Security Grip with POS stand for tablets. So this is like, so someone can't walk away with your tablet. Yeah. It's like a little crank that like goes to each corner of your tablet. Yeah. And POS is point of sale, not piece of shit. Yeah, that's right. Well, it could be either, but in this, in this context, (laughs) it's point of sale. And we had the Apple iPad mini, uh, with 16 gigabytes, uh, Wi-Fi, 16 gigabytes of space, Wi-Fi, black with space gray coloring. Nice. $250 price point for the Apple iPad mini too. All right. So yeah, awesome payment terminal. So all that stuff together was probably eh, five less than five hundred bucks, right? Yeah. This is two fifty. The stand. Yeah. I mean, it's probably it's probably around five hundred. Um. So yeah, this person set up their own payment terminal. Well, in my opinion, like that's actually a steal. Uh, and I can yeah. say because I you work for a company that made point yeah, of sale I, systems. I yeah. worked for a company that, that I mean they that provided for mcdonald's i mean it's all they did mm-hmm. and to get a really great point of sale system you were spending at least eight hundred dollars oh wow and if you wanted to go all the way you were hashing out twelve hundred for just one register wow um, so and, how many burgers would you have to sell to make that up you well, right but i mean but also like <laughs> depends what the profit margin is right yeah i mean but i can tell you that the point the the professional point of sale systems don't have half the power that that ipad mini has <laughs> I mean, like, wow. they, they just really don't, especially the graphical ability. Not that that's a, an important thing for point of sale necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in my opinion, you walked away with a deal, you know, it, it, as far as setting up a point of sale system with also with the, just the, the built in security that an Apple device has. And it really does. Um, you know, as much as I complain about Apple, I mean, this is this is a great setup to have. And, and you're beating out what some of the biggest chains in the world, you know ridiculously hash out yeah uh, that's cool you know for for uh, just a register i would really like to know what what store these are being used in so if you are listening and you bought these let us know yeah right on I'm totally curious um they, they also bought another ipad air too it's the uh it's a space gray one 1. 1.5 gigahertz processor two gigabytes of ram ddr2 16 gigabyte hard drive Apple iOS 8, and that was a $378 price point. So a little more powerful than the other one, but um, yeah, got good ratings. Nice. Probably going to be used as, a, as another payment terminal. Uh, the Amazon Basics dual side-by-side monitor display mounting arm. So this is like two little, two monitors that you can have, and they're they're both on these swivel arms. So in case you need like two monitors for your work, Mm-hmm. You can have both of them and you can arrange them side by side. You can put them on top of each other. You can turn them this way and that. You can, you know, adjust the portrait or landscape view. 
Um, and it's $189. That's pretty good. Awesome. Totally. Um, so the last thing was a PCI kit with Windows, Adaptech SCSI PCI kit with Windows and Mac support. Uh, oh, wait, that wasn't the last thing. <laughs> Xantrex Freedom HF1000 inverter charger for $345. Man, someone's got a whole setup going. I love it. Yeah. And the Veracity Outreach Light XT LAN Extend. This is another network extender. So thank you so much for doing your shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. We love our listeners. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, our website is sexandsciencehour.com. We'll be back at you with more sex and science next Friday. In the meantime, have a good week. <laughs>